Um, today's scripture reading is taken from Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30, reading from the ESV. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Thank you, thank you. Testing, testing. I'm not on. Testing, testing. Testing, one, two, three. Testing. Testing, testing. Okay, I'm on. Finally. Well, I was about to say thank you, Bibiana, for serving the church by reading scripture. And for the rest of us, let us prepare our hearts to hear God's word. Let us pray. Father God, open our ears, O Lord, to hear your word and know your voice. Open our eyes, O Lord, to hear the living word, to see the living word, Jesus Christ. Prepare our hearts, O Lord, to be taught by your Holy Spirit. Transform our hearts, O Lord, that we may respond in love to serve you today and always. Amen. The key theme in Acts is the expansion of the gospel into all the world. From its beginning in Jerusalem, we have already seen its expansion into Judea and Samaria. Luke, the author of Acts, gives us two markers, one at the beginning and another at the close of the book of Acts. He tells us of the expansion of this good news. So if you remember in Acts 1.8, he writes, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And in Acts, at the end of the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 to 31, Luke again writes, Paul lived there 
in Rome for two whole years, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Acts tells us of the triumph of the gospel. No opposition or resistance had withstood the purpose of Jesus Christ. And Jesus' purpose to build His church, this is accomplished through a series of staging posts as the power of the Holy Spirit descends. And the gospel expands across walls of separation between Jews and Gentiles to the end of the earth. This then is the big context to today's passage. The church scope must be to the end of the earth. And this explains why at the end of Acts 11, there seems to be a transition point where Luke gathers together all the strands of what has happened before. And he does this in today's passage in Acts 11, where he writes a kind of a bridging passage to what has gone before and now what lies ahead for the church. Focusing on the staging post of the church in Antioch, in preparation for the gospel's expansion westward across the Mediterranean Sea to Rome. And what we see here is Jesus Christ's commission in Acts 1.8 to His disciples being fulfilled. But it's not through mere human effort or ingenuity. Because if you remember, my friends, the first half of Acts 1.8 tells us, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It is this empowering, this empowering of the indwelling Holy Spirit that powers this unstoppable expansion of the gospel. God, the Holy Spirit, is present with His people, with us, with the church, and He strengthens the church for the expansion of the gospel. But how, Oli, you may ask, does this connect to today's passage? You know, when I was studying in Louisville, I experienced my first hurricane. Okay? We were warned to stay indoors as the winds were expected to reach our speeds upward of 100 kilometers per hour. You know, typical Singaporean boy, nothing about hurricanes, winds 100 kilometers upwards, uh, it's nothing, right? So I was in my room, I was excited, I was observing the coming hurricane. And at first, I was fascinated. Uh, wow, quite nice, you know, the wind blowing, never seen this before. And then I became afraid. And for a moment, wish that I was back in Singapore, where we have few natural disasters. Because the branches of the trees were blowing, being blown about, almost bent backwards. Okay? The windows to my room were shaking violently, making so much noise. And the howl of the wind it was echoing through my room down the hallway. I could not see the wind. I could certainly see and hear clear evidences of its presence. And that's what we see today in today's passage in Acts 11, okay, verses 19 to 30. It gives us clear evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit working in and through the church. So even as Luke draws together what has gone before, he reminds us it is the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, that empowers the expansion of the gospel. 
Just as I cannot see the wind, but I could see evidence of its working. We see in Acts 11 today, clear evidences of the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is just before the next stage of gospel expansion to the Gentiles across the world. Luke drops many hints of this today. So bear this in mind as we look at today's passage in Acts 11. So for those of you who do not have a Bible and wish to borrow a Bible, you can borrow those in the pew in front of you. Acts 11 uh, verse 19 to 30 is found on page 920 of the pew Bibles. My friends, what would you do when life gets difficult for you? Most of us will focus on solving our own problems. But this is certainly not the case for the Christians scattered by the persecution that came about in Jerusalem over Stephen's in Acts 8. We see in Acts 11 verse 1, it picks up the story as we see the church beginning in Antioch. The Christians were scattered to various outlying areas. So if you look at the map in front of you, Phoenicia is in present-day Lebanon. Cyprus is an island 160 kilometers off the coast of Palestine. And Antioch, the third largest Roman city at the time, is in modern-day Turkey. What I want you to see is this. These places were far from Jerusalem. The Christians were scattered far from their home. So if we were these Christians driven by persecution from our homes to these places, and putting ourselves in, the shoes, in their shoes, what would be our priority? What would we be doing? You know, it would be quite natural if we focus primarily on finding a place to stay, getting a job, making a living in an unfamiliar town or city. After all, bread and butter issue rules, don't they? The Christians likely did all this but bread and butter issues didn't rule their lives because we see here, they also spoke the gospel to other Jews. Imagine that. So much to care about and yet, they speak the gospel to other Jews. And these Jews likely have not heard of the events of Peter and Cornelius, which Eugene just preached last week. So, in that account, we saw the Gentiles coming to believe in Christ. So these Jews, they probably have not heard about that. So they only reach out to fellow Jews. But regardless, wherever they were, they enthusiastically gospelized other Jews. But there were other Christian Jews living in Cyprus and Cyrene, which is a, a, a city, a town in northern Africa. These Christians, they spoke to Greek-speaking Gentiles. They were telling them of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They crossed the Jew-Gentile separation and spoke of the Lord Jesus. And again, my friends, please note that they were not full-time missionaries or pastors or evangelists. They were lay people who obeyed the Lord Jesus' commission. So the first Gentile church plant in Antioch it was planted by lay people. And it's just lay people that they lightly talk about Jesus in the middle of their going about of their everyday life, of finding a home, of making a living, of raising a family. And Luke tells us what happens because of the obedience, because of the joy in sharing the gospel in verse 11, 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. 
and a great number who believe turn to the Lord. Luke used this Hebrew figure of speech used in the Old Testament. The hand of the Lord was with them. He used this to indicate the Holy Spirit's presence, power and approval rested on their gospel efforts. The Holy Spirit caused the gospel to bear a rich harvest, turning many, including many Gentiles, non-Jews, non-Jews like us, to faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowered their weakness. Even during the difficulties of persecution to plant the first recorded Gentile church in Antioch. And this is Jesus' promise to us. That the Holy Spirit will be given to us so that in the midst of our everyday difficulties, He will empower our weakness for Jesus Christ. You trust this. The promise is that the Holy Spirit will empower our weakness to Jesus Christ so that when we share the gospel, the Holy Spirit will turn hearts to Jesus Christ and we will know the joy of obeying Jesus' commission. Church, do you trust this enough to step out to weakness for, for Jesus Christ? Would you ask God for opportunities this coming week to have gospel conversations with your families, relatives, colleagues, friends, or even strangers this week? And to pray that when opportunities arise, to seize them, trusting that God will put the words in our mouth. God will enable and empower us. I also have another question I was re- as I was reading the text. And how is it that this early Christian can seem to sa- share Jesus so naturally? The principle is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and it holds true here. I mean, have you met fans of Korean drama? Some of you are sniggling away, yes. And, and, and if, you, if you have met them, because they enjoy watching the drama series so much that their happiness seems to spill over to their words as they cannot help but gush to you about the latest episode. Right? You've seen that. Likewise, the greater joy of these believers in Jesus Christ broke forth into their speech to fellow Jews and Gentile strangers alike. What speech spills from our mouth? And by that, what does it reveal about the reality that fills our heart? Do we daily rehearse and rejoice in the gospel? And if we do, it's more likely that the reality of our joy in the gospel will overflow naturally into our words to others. What words characterize our interactions with our non-Christian friends in our workplaces, schools, and neighbourhoods. Our words full of thanksgiving and joy to God for all He has given to us? Or are they filled with discontentment and complaint? What words characterise our conversations with fellow members of the church? Our words full of gospel encouragement to spur them on in their faith? Or are they filled with criticism that tears people down? Now I pray for myself, for all of us, that we will learn to reflect the abundant grace we have received from God through Jesus Christ in our words. You know, when things get too big 
and complicated. Maybe it's just me. But when things get too big or complicated, we tend to want to slow things down a bit. Sorry, Ian, I'm that kind of guy. Okay? And perhaps exercise some control and restraint until we get a handle of what is happening. But this was not what happened next as we see the church being established in Antioch. Some Jews and many Gentiles were coming to faith in Jesus Christ in Antioch. And as they gathered into a fast-growing Gentile majority church, this is, this is what we saw, see happening next in verse 22. We see that this report reached the church in Jerusalem, where until now, it has been the centre of this new Christian movement. Jerusalem, if you remember, if you recall, was where most of the apostles had remained. And they, in order to figure out and validate this gospel growth in Antioch, they sent Barnabas. And looking at it, it's really by God's leading and providence that they sent the most suitable man to do this job. They sent Barnabas, whom we all met before in Acts 4 and 9. Barnabas, the son of encouragement the one who comes alongside others to encourage. And Luke describes him as a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And because Barnabas was such a man led by the Holy Spirit, when he came to Antioch, what did he do? What did he do? Did he go, whoa, 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 guys, come on, hey guys, hang on a bit. Things are getting too big and complicated. Let's slow it down a bit. I mean, what are you going to do with this growth? I mean, are you teaching the right thing? You know, the last message you preached, you, you know, you can't quite cover that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And you know, the other leader you had, you know, he isn't quite up to the mark when it comes to public speaking. Thankfully, no. Barnabas did not criticize. Rather, he came. He saw the grace of God working through the Holy Spirit, transforming lives in and through the church. And he rejoiced and was glad. True to his name, Barnabas encouraged the church to remain faithful to the Lord. He exalted them to continue to be steadfast to the commission of Jesus Christ so that the gospel should be proclaimed, that the gospel could be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And what do we see? Because of Barnabas' spirit-led, grace-driven ministry, many people turn to trust in Jesus Christ. Oh, may God give us many more Barnabases in the church. And I speak as a Singaporean. We do know that giving criticism is part of our culture. Talk to any service staff and grab drivers you know, I'm having, I had the opportunity to sit with, up front with grab drivers to talk to them. And they, sh they can share with you the abuses they receive from criticisms, both warranted and unwarranted. Have we let that part of our Singaporean culture creep into the church? Do we have to grow more encouraging to others in the church? And perhaps in our next conversation, instead of responding immediately with criticism, because that's part of our culture DNA, Pause and pray that the indwelling Holy Spirit who is in you will change our hearts to fill our hearts with grace so that we can speak words of encouragement, words of grace, words of life to others in the church. 
And the next thing Luke tells us in verse 25 shows us how Barnabas was a good man, submitted to the Holy Spirit, and fully committed to the purpose of Jesus Christ. The church in Antioch was growing. So they had a good problem. What to do with so many new Christian believers? And Barnabas, instead of being territorial and marking out this ministry as his own, you know, it's so easy to say, hey, I've done all this work, the growth is part of my effort, this is mine, I'm going to take care of the Christians. But Barnabas did not do that. He did something only a spirit-transformed man would do. He recognised that he did not have all the gifting to lead a growing big church on his own. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul and brought him back to Antioch to be part of the teaching and shepherding team. Imagine that. Bring in someone more gifted than himself and then taking second chair as Saul increasingly became the focus. And we see that in Acts. From that point on, the names start to switch around and Paul became the key person in the expansion of the gospel. Barnabas showed Christ-like humility for the sake of the church and for the sake of the expansion of the gospel. And for a whole year, Saul and Barnabas and the rest of the team taught and discipled many people in the faith. They got people into the Word and the Holy Spirit used the Word to change lives and to build people up. In fact, we have some records from the early church. Okay? And this comes from the DDK. This is a fragment of the this, uh, record of a discipleship manual from the first century. This fragments of this Asian manuscript tells us of the systematic discipleship in the essentials of Christian faith that took place in the early first century church. The DDK taught about the gospel and that was key to their teaching. I think almost a third to, a quarter, to 40% of, of the, the DDK talks about the gospel. It teaches about baptism, the Lord's Supper, how to pray and how to conduct ministry. And as a result, the church was established in the gospel and rooted it in the Word. This impacted their life together so much as a church, so much that others around them begin to recognize them as being different and distinct. No longer were they thought of as an offshoot, as a sect of Judaism. Their neighbors recognized them as distinct. They saw that they, these Christians, or these believers, these disciples, resembled the one they followed, Jesus Christ. And in verse 26, they called them Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. I met recently with a dear brother in Christ. He had a rough two to three, past three, two to three years. And when we met, I was struck by how he recognized the need to be established in Christ. When we got together, he told me he wanted to grow by getting more of God's word into his life. And he admits he's not much of a reader. But he was willing to commit to both of us reading the Bible together. So he started with taking a small step by reading a simple devotional guide on a book of the Bible. And it's, it's, a small, it's a small thing. It's only two small pages long. Each devotion is only two small pages long. And we're only doing two devotions per week. So it's just only four pages per week. 
And when we next meet, we'll discuss the Bible passage which we covered and press each other to apply this into our lives. And it's really that simple. Are we meeting with others in the church to read and apply the word together? You can keep it simple and you can start where you are. Perhaps, I know some of us, we are busy with our work. Perhaps we are at a point in our life where family and work commitments are heavy. And perhaps we don't have much energy left over. But even so, I urge you that you can consider committing to just meeting one person twice a month over a one-hour meetup during your lunch break. Or if you need to do groceries as part of a household chores, perhaps you can meet with someone in the church to do your shopping together. And then meet for a 45 minutes tea to read the Bible and pray together. I urge you to keep it simple and start where you are. You know the commonly said Hokkien phrase about the three things that all Singaporeans are afraid of? Anybody? There's a Hokkien phrase that there are three things that Singaporeans are afraid of. Jen is smiling away. I think you know. Okay. It's said that Singaporeans are kiasu, kiasi, kiabolui. Okay? So for our international friends out there, it means this. Singaporeans, we are afraid to lose, we are afraid to die, and we are afraid to have no money. Okay? But this is definitely not the picture of the church in Jerusalem and Antioch. Because they have been established in the gospel and transformed by the Holy Spirit, we see that the church life reflects the gospel. And in verses 27 to 30, we see that they are marked by a generous giving to other churches in need. Okay? They're certainly not kiabolui. Okay? They're certainly generous with their money. And we see the church in Jerusalem, what we see in this passage is that the church in Jerusalem gave further gifts in the persons of prophets. Prophets were those who were gifted to reveal God's mystery. And imagine that, the church in Jerusalem, they have really given one of their best in the person of Barnabas to the church in Antioch. Now in verse 27, they send prophets to build up the church in Antioch. A side note on prophets. Okay, prophets are among the reasons Jesus Christ gave to the church. And prophets are perhaps second only to the apostles in importance. With, together with the, gospel, with the apostles, they form the foundation of the church as God's new temple. For through them, the mystery of Christ has been revealed. And for us, church, today, we now have access to this once-for-all foundation through the completed New Testament. Okay? So we see one of these prophets named Agabus. He stood up and told what was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. He predicted there'll be a great famine coming. And when the church in Antioch heard that, Everyone according to his ability, everyone according to his ability, send relief and funds to other Christians living in Judea. So basically what they did, they took a collection and sent it to the elders in Jerusalem with Barnabas and Saul acting on their behalf. Paul later writes in Romans 15.27, perhaps referring to this act of giving, 
For if the Gentiles have come to share in their, meaning the Jews' spiritual blessing, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. The Gentile church in Antioch recognize that they received so much from the church in Jerusalem. And more importantly, they recognize how they have received the good news of the gospel through the Jewish Christians proclaiming it to them. They realize they have received much. And in having realized that, they also gave much and sacrificially to the church in Jerusalem. And in doing so, they show the unity that they have in Jesus Christ. There are 38 member churches in the Singapore Baptist Convention of which GBC is part of. Establishing GBC, Grace Baptist Church, in the gospel and the word is our priority. But are we also willing to help gospel growth in other Baptist churches? And for that matter, are we willing to help gospel growth in other gospel-minded churches in Singapore? And my friends, I'm not just talking about giving funds and resources are we willing to give of our time and even of our best to support growth in other churches? There may come a time where God calls us as a church to send some of our best people to help in other churches. But for now, we can start by inculcating a habit for praying for other churches in Singapore for their growth in the gospel. And when we give and love sacrificially in this way and pray for other Christians in other churches, this shows this unified love and support for Christians, of Christians for one another. This will give a, a tangible demonstration. This will show the difference that Christ has made in our lives. Now, it may seem strange that Christians can give in such a way especially to our friends and visitors who are not Christians. To my non-Christian friend, at the heart of this sacrificial giving is because we have a God who gives sacrificially and gave of His best. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Our God gave His best. He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, whom He dearly loves, so that if we trust in Jesus Christ, we will not suffer judgment and eternal separation from God, but we will have eternal, abundant life, living joyfully in His presence forevermore. He gave, not because we deserve the gift, but because He loves us. And I know some of you may struggle thinking, are you sure God will give me such a gift? I'm such a failure. And you don't know what I've done in my past. And I don't know how to really live as a Christian. But part of the gift that God gives you is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will transform you and change you to become increasingly like Jesus Christ. You do not have to be Christ-like to receive this gift. But once you receive this gift, God will increasingly change you to be like Christ. This is the good news of the gospel for both my non-Christian friends. But this is a good news for us Christians as well, isn't it? 
So for my non-Christian friends who is visiting, I'm sure this is not the first time you heard the good news. What is holding you back from trusting Jesus Christ? And so for my non-Christian friends who have been coming and sitting in our pews every Sunday for months, you have heard the gospel proclaimed many, many times. So what are you waiting for? God has given of His best, His Son, Jesus Christ, for you. God tells us, in a favorable time, I've listened to you. In the day of salvation, I've helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day for you to trust in Jesus Christ. I urge you to make the commitment. If this is what you have decided, you can speak to any of the pastors and elders after the service. So what? What now? We see today that God, the Holy Spirit, is present with His people and strengthen the church for the expansion of the gospel. And in our response, we can trust, we can rely on the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit for life and weakness, thus fulfilling God's purposes even when facing difficulties. So what, what now? What now for us as a church? What's going to happen very soon is our move back to the new building in Mata Road. Will we be able to steward God's gift of the building well for the expansion of the gospel? Will we be able to say when the building is used by others and in the process, dirty? I mean, yeah, when you use something like a building, you expect it to get dirty in the process, right? Will we be able to say, praise God and then chip in to help with the cleanup? Will we be able to give of our own use of the building to which we are entitled to other churches and other congregations? I mean, look around you, GBC, Isn't this what we're experiencing here right now in the Chapel of the Holy Spirit? This church has given of the space and facilities for us to use. Might not we do the same? And in the process, support other ministry and and gospel growth in other churches. Even if it means making sometimes uncomfortable changes to the way we do ministry, adjusting so that we can give the space to others. I know that Myanmar Fellowship, Pastor Andrew and the Myanmar Fellowship, they are moving back with us to the new building. Will we be able to support them as a congregation? Not only by providing facility and space for their use, but also getting to know them. And taking this a step further, will we be willing to give them, some of us, and what I mean, people, us, to sacrificially serve and encourage their growth in the gospel. We see today the church crossing walls of separation for the sake of the expansion of the gospel. And we are moving back to McPherson neighborhood. Let's be honest. The culture of GBC is currently quite different from the culture of many of our neighbors in McPherson. 
And for those who felt, feel led by the Spirit to reach out to their friends who are like them culturally in their schools, in their work, in their recreational places, I commend your desire and I encourage your efforts. Go ahead, do it. Because your non-Christian friends also there also need to hear the gospel. Praise God for your desire. But can I challenge us as a church to also prayerfully consider this, to cross the cultural wall of separation between our neighbours in MacPherson and GBC so that the gospel can be expanded even into that neighbourhood. I know it will be uncomfortable, but this is Jesus' purpose for His church. And if you want to take this step and explore this, the one way you can start is to sign up for the welcome flyer distribution to the McPherson neighbourhood, which will take place Sunday morning, next Sunday, 6 August. You can sign up on the web link given in your ministry guide or sign up at a table downstairs after the service. I know you'll be uncomfortable and fearful for many of us. I know that. And I confess, me included, an introvert like me talking to strangers. You know how much I have to pray just to get up here to preach to you guys? Me talking to strangers? But let's trust in the Holy Spirit to help us despite our fears and discomfort. I know making this adjustment and sacrifices will be difficult. But let's pray for God, the Holy Spirit, to work in our hearts to give the new building to others to use, to reach across walls of separation so that Jesus Christ's purpose for the gospel to be established in our churches and for the advancement of the good news to the end of the earth might be accomplished. And as we do this, we trust God's gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to enable us, to change us. Let us pray.